This is Faith in Your Recovery. I'm Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Welcome, Marwin Strong. Yeah, thank you so much for having me come, uh, Pastor Randy. Well, we're we're thrilled to have you with us. Look forward to hearing what you have to share. And I'm just going to kind of throw it open to you here. Go back to your life prior to your addictions, prior to, the, to all of those struggles, and share with us who you were, what you were about. Well, when, well growing up at a young age, my mother had, uh, you know, she was a single-parent mother. Um, she raised up eight beautiful kids uh, by herself. Uh, my father, you know, he was in my life, uh, but, you know, at an early age, and he left um, and moved to Detroit, Michigan. Uh, the reason why he moved to Detroit, Michigan uh, is for the simple fact that he uh, he did not want us to see him. He did not want to see his own, um, on, 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 on what he was doing. So uh, he left, so I didn't really have uh, too much of a, you know, of a, you know, I'd just say a, a role model. Uh, in my life. So growing up in the Monsanto home, my grandmother uh, lived in Monsanto homes, and my mother, she had to do what she had to do to make sure that uh, that we was okay. So where I, where, I, where we lived at, uh, you know, drugs, violence, um, you know, you, had, you name it, um, you know, killings. Uh, I've seen people overdose off drugs, um, you know. So I really, really grew up from a from a standpoint of, you know, of a low poverty uh, neighborhood, uh, Monsanto homes, Parkview apartments, uh, crime where was air. Police actually want to come in those areas. Uh, so I just, um, I didn't really have nobody in my life, you know, and I'm so happy and thankful um, where I'm at now. So how many brothers and sisters did you grow up with, Marwin? How many were there in the household? It, it, it was eight siblings in the house, uh, you know, um, I have a beautiful family, real close-knit family. I have a total of 15 sisters and brothers all over the world. So I have a lot of sisters and brothers who I love dearly. Um, you know, we, we didn't have the nicest thing that other kids had, uh, but one thing we did have, we had love and support one another. Is that the shining light that saw you through? Let me rephrase that. Back in that day, did you recognize how tough you had it, or was it more so as looking back and seeing it? Well, we, we didn't know. I mean, you know, when you're growing up, you know, you just you just live the way you live. You know, we didn't know we had it rough until we got older. Um, I know some kids that I grew up with, you know, they had the nice clothes and nice, you know, the nice shoes and uh, we didn't have, we was we weren't fortunate about that. We didn't have um, we didn't have the finer things in life. We didn't have the big houses, and uh, we weren't raised with a silver spoon in our mouth. So you know we had a uh, had do we had to do to make sure that we survived. Growing up there in the Munciana homes, I remember those from years ago. They've come a long ways today with the changes that have been made. But I know for a fact, and I say this out of compassion, please, folks, there was no judgment. But I know there was a lot of struggle for the folks there because of the economic conditions, the view of society upon that area of Muncie, right or wrong, it did exist. Uh, all the tensions that went with that. Is that accurate? It, it, it's very accurate. Um, if you really look at the dynamics, a lot of my friends, you know, they've been dead in prison. Um, you know, a lot of us been was targeted uh, growing up as an African-American male. 
the crime rate was uh, real high there. Uh, a lot of police officers didn't even want to come down and must in the homes. And um, so it, it was very poverty stricken. Um, you know, it was drugs, it was violence uh, on a day to day basis. Um, you know, you hear guns all type of night, sirens. Uh, so those are the things that we had to deal with. You know, it was his way of life. Uh, you know, my role model was pimp players and hustlers and um, everything we wanted was in a floor block radius. So it, it was very tough, you know, but it was the way we live. You know, we had to, you know, we had to survive. We had to make sure that we— You didn't know what you didn't know, did you? I didn't have a clue. I just know I was just living, you know, yeah. make sure I was surviving. So I know for a fact that you uh, that you had a, a powerful time in high school, that you were an outstanding basketball player. What led you into basketball? Was that an escape from some of the struggle, or was that more of something that just touched and filled that emptiness? Tell me about that. Well, growing up at an early age, we had to find something that that would get us away from uh, from from what we were struggling with. Uh, you know, poverty. Um, you know, low income households. So I was always a good basketball player. Um, you know, I always play AU basketball. Um, anything that I did um, on the court, it was like a, it's almost like a dream. You know, like when you get on four on a, on a basketball court, all your words be gone. You can just focus on those four quarters to make sure that you, you know, you be the best you could be, uh, and let it all out. So I was always um, growing up. I'm talking about like from since I was a little kid, you know, from like four years old. Um, I had I had a thing about playing basketball, and I mean it was so great people uh, that I played against. Uh, so growing up, it was just my escape from reality. Did uh, you have a hero that was uh, either professional, college, or former high school player there for the Bearcats? Somebody that you just thought, man, if I could reach his status. Well, I, I had a couple of them. I, 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 uh, Sam Drummer. Oh yes. Sam Drummer was one. Uh, Chandler Thompson, Chandler uh, Thompson. You know, the whole 1988 uh, when they won the state. Uh, and I happened to be there. Um, you know, so it's it's a lot of people. You you name them. You know, I just uh, oh man, Ray McCullum. Uh, you have those type of people that I looked at. And one thing about it, uh, where I live, that you know, my friend Bonzi Wells. Um, you know, my family. You know, consider my family and uh, just other people. Uh, you know, we learned a lot from from Hecan Park and McCullough Park. So um, those are those are the days. You know, you, if you want good, you want to get on the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Muncie, Indiana, basketball was not a sport; it was life. Absolutely, that Absolutely. Uh, I know the Cats. I believe still hold the record for the most state championships. But I know here in Anderson, they're sneaking up on that uh, number well, as well. We, we Bearcats, man. We we, we you know we we can't let that happen, man. <laughs> So that, how did that move you forward? It obviously made a very positive impact in your life, and I know there were some plans ahead for future basketball, but life took a strange twist for you. Tell our folks about that. Well, what happened was I, um, I never forget me going to Northside. Uh, my mother, she wouldn't let me go to Southside because a lot of my friends, uh, they went there. You know, Southside and um, Munster Central always rivals. Uh, but I wanted to go to Southside, uh, but but Coach uh, Coach Hero and and those guys and and also my mother she didn't want me to go. Uh, she said it'd be a bad influence if I go because uh, you know I had to you know just she tried my best to keep me away from drugs and vitamins, but she couldn't stop it. 
Uh, so I never forget in seventh grade a young by a young man by the name uh, Francis Lafferty. Uh, Francis Lafferty was uh, is my first mentor. I really would say that that really really instilled in my life. Um, and I never forget he bought my first brand new pair of tennis shoes. Uh, and it actually at the time where somebody really cared about me. Um, you know I didn't have the finer things in life. You know and I. I miss him dearly. You know, you had other people around a multi-air, Carl Malone. Uh, you had guys, uh, Coach Harris, Mr. Harris, and those type of people. So I had some influences in my life, uh, but still the, the drug game, you know, it really just, I was living double life. You know, I was living the drug life and also living the, uh, the basketball life. So it was just a fight, a fight between the two. So, but it, it was awesome, you know. I mean, I, I was phenomenal people that, that was around my life to really try to help me out. But, you know, that's what happened when you live in this type of environment with drugs and violence. You know, glamour to gleam. People got nice cars and money, and at a early age, shooting dice, those type of things. So, it kind of took over me at that moment. And I know from that point on, after high school, you had a uh, college scholarship. Is that correct? To play yeah. basketball. Where was that for Marvin? Where were you going? Well, I had I had a partial scholarship to Uni- University of Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV. Uh, what happened was the reason why I didn't get the opportunity to go because you know out of state tuition. My mother, you know, she she was uh, she was unfortunate. Uh, she didn't know too much about out of state loans and those type of things. So. Um, I just decided just to play in the parks and play against NBA basketball players and and those type of people. So you know, it's kind of let me led me down a down a wrong path, you know, which I thought it was a good path, but it's a, a wrong path that led me down to. Did you get into addictions at that issue? Did you get into battling drugs or alcohol? Well, yeah, well, I was I I I, I drank, you know, I drank and I smoked marijuana, you know, I took pills. And those type of things, and and matter of fact, I would I would don't mind sharing this. Um, I remember I was about two weeks was about to try for the Charlotte Hornets, and I went to a party, and I took volumes, uh, volumes and Vicodins and those type of things, and drinking alcohol, you know, and um, also smoking marijuana. So I goes to the party, and uh, and I end up getting poisoned. Um, I ended up spending two years in the hospital. How did that happen? How did that poisoning come about? Well, when- I, I was at a party. Um, and, and we was having round drink tables, um, you know. For, you know, having a lot of lot of young kids think you're invincible uh, when you're young at an early age. They think that you just, you know, you, you Superman. So we all just drinking, having a good time. I'm excited about the time that uh, I was about to go try for the Charlotte Hornets, which is a, it was phenomenal. Uh, uh, my, my family, Bonzi Wells and Chandler, he was in um, he was in overseas and. And also Chandler just got drafted for the Portland Trail Blazers. So I'm like, hey, I want to be the third one. So played real good for the last couple of years at a park tournament. Got MVPs of NBA basketball players, CBA players, overseas players. And um, and that's went the USBL and those type of things. So I want to be, you know, have a good time. You know, say, hey, you know, just more of a, of a blessing to me to have an opportunity to get out the hood, you know, where drugs and violence and, I want to want to feed want to buy my mother a house. You know, I wanted my family to live their glamour life like other people live back there. So uh, I goes to a party, um, and we had round drink tables, and uh, where I bought the, I bought it first, and go up there and dance. And um, next thing I know, some guys poisoned me with some iodine. Um, that's the last thing I remember. Um, How old were you at that age, Marvin? I was nineteen. 
You were 19. 19. So you go out on the floor for a dance, come back, take a drink, and then you just literally, uh, the lights go out at that point. And they were out. At, didn't I just hear you say for two years? Yep, tell two us, years. I was in tell hospital. Tell us about the, I know you're not totally aware other than in hindsight what you've been told but yeah. what took place during that time well my mother my mother says she found me in the bathroom having grandma seizures uh last thing i remember i just remember me being at a party uh, and when i woke up out of coma i was in a coma for a uh, for a month um and i came out of my coma i had trach in my neck uh eight ivs pig tube i couldn't eat uh, I had to learn how to walk again and talk again like a newborn baby. Went through physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, you name it, I've been through it. So all the time, I always had the, the doctors come in, 12 doctors come in, and they actually called my mom, my father. Uh, my whole family said I wasn't going to be able to make it. Uh, my vital signs were leaving me. I lost 70% of my kidney function. Um so I, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know what happened to me. I just remember coming out of coma with twos in me. And the doctors always come and telling me that I would be told, unable to walk again and talk again. Uh, I had to go through occupational therapy to learn how to talk, you know, speech therapy, uh, physical therapy to learn how to walk again. So um, it, was a, it was a tough road. It was, uh, went through a lot of depression stage. Uh, went to, it was a lot of trauma that I had to deal with. So... You said you were in there for two years in the hospital? Two years, yeah, I went to uh, St. John's, um, you know, you name it, I was there. I went to almost every hospital. Uh, so it just, um, just for me sitting here looking at you is really a blessing, a testimony that you can't be anything you want to be and come out of it. Well, tell us a little bit about as you started to come back around, started to recognize life again, and you started to think maybe I have a future. What was that like? Well, I, I was in I was in a war within my own mind. Uh, pretty much, when you live a life uh, from zero to twenty to twenty years old, that that drugs and violence, you know, you don't you don't really know too much about nothing. You got to relearn everything over again. So I was laying in the hospital, and I was at a crossroads. And I had to figure out myself, do I want to go back out there and do what I used to do, or do I want to try to change? Because it's really a mindset. And what happened, I just really just started thinking. I said, well, I want to change, because at that time, I had two little young children, um, my two boys, my boy and my girl at that time. And um, I wanted to change for them. You know, I got tired of seeing other young, other young men, especially my race, uh, that it was out of father. Because at that time, I didn't have a father in my life. You know, he was in Detroit, Michigan. Um, he was in and out of prison. You know, and I love my father. I have a great relationship with him right now. But at that time, it was tough. So I just, you know, just asked God, you know, just to, you know, to save me, you know, and, and turn my life around. And, um, and I was just tired. And you come to the point of your life, you get tired of sick and tired of being sick and tired. Oh. And, and that's what I was. And I didn't want to go out there and, and sell drugs. I didn't want all my friends was going to prison or some of my friends were dying from getting, you know, getting gunned down and, and those type of things. So I just wanted to change. I wanted to change not just for me, but I want to make my mama happy. You know, I want to, I want to be the best man I could be. Um, I also want to, you know, want to be a role model for my sisters and my brothers that was coming up. Um, and I just want to be a statistic. 
So it was just one about me. It was, I had a lot of people on, on, on my shoulder, and I started thinking not more about me because a lot of time when you're in that drug game, uh, whether you own drugs or or you or you selling drugs, you get selfish. Absolutely. And, and you're not just hurting yourself; you hurt everybody else around you. You know, and I really had to come to a sense and look at the man in the mirror, like Michael Jackson said. You know, he's searching for the man in the mirror. He asked him to change his ways. If you make this world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what I did. I looked in the mirror, and I wanted to make a change for the whole world. You're, you're a reminder to me of that old statement, your setback is a setup for your comeback. Amen, amen. And, and that's where you were there in that hospital bed. I just want to go back and make sure I'm clear on one thing here, Marwin. You said while you're there in that bed, you came to a one-on-one relationship with God. Yes, I did. Well, you spoke that out. Go ahead. Yeah, well, actually, actually what happened when I, got, when I got saved, I will never forget uh, I was laying in my mother's bed, and you know, and I had uh, the poison was going all through my body. Um, I rewind the poison go all through my body, and um, I called my mom that night because I was in agony and I was losing hair, and my hands was was swelling, and I had all kind of things going on. We had, you know, it was just, it was, it was. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 poison was just eating my body up. So what happened? I said, Mom, I think I think you need to call the pastor, uh, Pastor Bond, which I love dearly. You know, m- myself as a licensed elder, and you know, he really trained me how to be, you know, a real man of God. You know, and really just you know turn my life around. So I got to give him praise, the Lord using him to save me. And I said, you got to call him and and let him know that I want I want to live I want to change. And she said she said she thought I was dying or something. I said, but I really had an encounter with God that night. And I told God, I said, God, you know, it's better to make, better not make a vow to make a vow. And I said, God, if you just heal my body, I serve you all the days of my life. And I was honest with him. I said, now, I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to try my best to be. And for 23 years, I haven't smoked. I haven't drank. Um, you know, I live a pure life uh, as best as I can. So, you know, I had to count with him. But I want to change my life. And then that, that's why I have an opportunity to speak all over the world to young kids and, you know, you know, just people all over. Just uh, And that's my passion. That. You know? And that's one thing I want to do. And I love people and, you know, and I, and, and I can understand uh, what they're facing right now. You are, uh, you are living out that promise that you made to God. I've followed you enough personally. We've yeah. been friends for a number of years yes, now. Sir. Followed you on Facebook. I see the stories. I hear you. And I, I know the difference, the impact you're making. I saw just a little while back, I think you'd spoken at uh, Muncie Central High yes, School yes, to the yes, students. Sir there, and I know you don't shy away from an opportunity to make a difference and to help impact lives, trying to be not the hero, not for the sake of being a hero, but at least a positive role model and influence, not just for your brothers and sisters, but for everybody's brother and sister. Amen. Amen. Yeah. What... What has been the most rewarding part of the journey for you? And then we're going to bring this up, you know, to where you're at today. But getting to that point, what's what's one moment that sticks out in your mind that was a mountaintop experience? Well, I, I, te- I tell you, the, the main thing that, that really, really, um, you know, I always think about others than myself. And I never forget a young man, he was a— I was walking down the street one day, and um, I was in Parkview Apartments. I ended up running 
the same place I sold drugs at. And that's why I know where where, where I had to do it. And, and I started seeing myself uh, so much as a, as a public figure and a mentor. It was probably about like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I, I lived in the Parkview Apartments. Um, and I walked outside, and a young man, he literally, he overdosed. You know, he overdosed right by my door. And I walked outside, and I said, I said, are you all right? And he said, you know, Marwin, like, every time that I get on drugs, I sit outside your house, and I know you've been praying for me. You know, and I prayed for him that night, and that night he gave his heart to God. And right then I know, it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. Nobody was out. I ended up getting up in the morning. Matter of fact, I had to, I had a Cadillac, and I was out there trying to have, I forgot something I left in the car. And he was out there on my porch. And he said every time he'd get high, he'd just sit on my porch. And right now in this day, this young man is preaching the gospel, <laughs> you know. And, and it's, just, it's just rewarding, you know. And it's just, um, and after that, I knew. Uh, I knew. I knew my calling. Um, I know why here I'm on this earth for. I know why God brought me back from the shadows of death. Um, and this is what I got to do. You know, and I'm not trying to tear up, but, you know, it just is it, it, so much of a passion to me when I when I think about the people, the lives I'm trying to change and, and how much I'm trying to live, live out how Jesus lived. And, you know, and I, I don't try to, you know, act like I'm better than the next person. I try to be like them to let them understand uh, that they can't make it. They could be in it because it's a lost world out here. Absolutely. You know, you got young men and young kids dying on a day-to-day basis from overdosing off drugs and and also, you know, drug violence and those type of things. And myself, from being there, I understand how they feel. I'm just trying to help them get out of it. Oh, uh, yeah, and you're doing a wonderful job, and we give you thanks and God praise for that. Yes, sir. Uh, and as you... You know, as you move forward from there, what did life start to look like? How did you live life? What kept you going? Uh, share that with us. Well, a lot of time when you when you come from where I come from, you know, a lot of people are, are not used to you changing. Uh, you're more of in a dynamic of being a person to to either you're going you're going to follow that path, which many of the people have passed. You know, where you're going to be in prison. Uh, you're going to follow a path of dying, you know, because as an African-American, we're not, you know, male, you know, where I live, we're not supposed to be living until 18 years old. Thank God I'm 44 years old, and my birthday's January the 2nd, and I'll be 45. Hey, happy you birthday. Know, uh, thank you. Ways ahead yeah, here. thank you so much. So just to look back over that, you know, it, it, it it's a mindset. And, the way, and I had to relearn everything over again. Uh, I had to relearn the way of living, you know. I had to relearn different type of things that I didn't know about, you know. And so, um, so I'm just, I'm just thankful. I'm really thankful, you know, of of, of those type of things. Well, I'll tell you, there's nothing like a second opportunity, even when it comes for the thirty third time. Yes, okay, sir. <laughs> we need that, and by the same token, we need to give that to others. Yes. I'm going to guess along the way you probably had some skeptics. Uh, this in Rio, Marwin's going to be back where he was. He's gonna, he's gonna fall. He's gonna fail more than just stumble. Just watch him a little while, and you're going to see he's the old Marwin. Can you talk to that a little bit? Well, I, 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 I'm happy that you brought that up because you know we, I deal with that on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, but they, they don't know I'm not the same Marwin I was 23 years ago. Uh, I've been saved for 23 years. 
and, and it's a scripture of the Bible, and I don't mind saying this. It said, you know, once you become saved, you become a brand new creature. Oh, yes. You know, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So for my neighborhood, a lot of people may think that I'm still the same person I used to be, and that's because they're the same person they used to be. And that's why I just want to be that light to them, let them know, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't got to be the same way. Uh, you don't got to live your life. I never seen no no drug dealer uh, get a four hundred one k for retiring, you know, you know, and that's just what it is. So um, I, I get those type of things, uh, different type of gossips, you know, but we also understand a prophet is not accepted as on home. Even Jesus himself, you know, he was just a carpenter. Some he was just, you know, he was just, you know, oh, that's just Jesus. But he was the one to save the whole world, you know, and I'm just trying to live out his life. You know, you're going to have naysayers, you're going to have critics and those type of things, but you just still got to keep on shining your light and encouraging yourself like David, you know, looking in the mirror, telling you are somebody, you're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. So you got to have your own mindset to understand I'm not going back out there. You know, so you're going to get those type of things, and it's part of it. You know, they call Jesus Beelzebub. You know, they call him the devil. You know, but I'm just living a life life with God, and you want to just be a light to those that, that have no hope. Even um, there on the cross, there were those who were railing. I think one of the versions of the Scripture says, they're, you know, they're blasting blasting him for who he was, yeah. what he was about. And he hung in there and he hung tough and he hung till until the deed was done. Yes, sir. For that yes, we're thankful, sir. right? Yeah, yeah. So do you run into many of the the old group, those from your days of using, and have you seen changes in them? And I know you've still got friends who have to be struggling because you're not going to abandon them. Oh, no. But uh, tell us, you know, what it's like to maybe— reconnect in in Muncie well it's, it's a beautiful thing because um, you know even though they're out there and you know and I pray for them every day you know you know and I love them dearly I love all my old friends um, and they respect me you know and that's the main thing they respect what I do they never tried to peer pressure me uh, always been a leader so they never could never really peer pressure. if I want to do something I do it on my own uh, so they highly respect me, you know, and I respect them, and I'm always encouraging them and, you know, and praying for them, and, and many times they need advice from me, and uh, and I give it to them, you know, and that's the way I do. And I always tell people all the time, you know, uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. So, <laughs> so, so really, you know, he always hung with prostitutes and, you know, drunkards, and, you know, that that was his crowd. You know, so I'm, I, 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 I could I could preach behind the pulpit, but I, I'm more I'm more I, I, I'm a street type of guy. Gotcha. I, I, I like to talk to him and really just uh, you know just talk about real life principles. You know, everybody don't know the scriptures, but the Bible said, "How love and kindness have I drawn thee." So I show them love and I see them and you know we you know we talk and but they know I'm a light to them. You know, and they know when they need me, I'm always there. I'm also telling the truth too. And that's one thing they need to know. So they, uh, it's a struggle for them. Uh, when you live in a life that long, you know, it's hard. You know, and the enemy will always try to grasp you with drugs and violence and slide back. So I'm just happy I could be that sacrificial lamb to help them out. 
I like the line you touched on there. Jesus' biggest problem was with the religious and the political. Yes, okay? sir. Uh, he'd much rather be in the ditch than to be in that, in that upper echelon dealing with, you know, all that went with that. He cares about the poor as much as he cares about the wealthy and the wealthy as much as he Amen. cares about the poor. But he found his comfort and he supped most often with those who struggle, yes, sir. Yes, those sir. that uh, we're scared to be seen with. And I think that's part of the stigma and the bias when it comes to recovery. Yes, sir. Uh, do we want to associate with those people? They, you know, we want to separate ourselves from them. So we give them those labels thinking it's okay and only in cer certain circumstances can it be so. You've told us about those struggles, how you had that lights on moment there in your hospital room, how you had the pastor in, how you're moving forward, how you're living your life now. Tell us about some of the things going on in your life now. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I want you to make sure you touch on this book that you've gotten published. I want you to tell us a little about the movie that's going to be coming out and uh, fill in any other blanks there, other experiences. Share with us. Well, well I'm so happy. Uh, I'm, I'm happily retired. Uh, I retired from teaching after 18 years. Uh, you know, I'm still young. You what know. did you teach, Marwin? Uh, I taught what? for 18 years. Uh, taught in taught in Dallas. Uh, I get an opportunity to come back and forth now from Muncie. A lot of people ask where I'm from. So I'm from Muncie, Texas. Uh, so it was just time for me to go out and with my Enough is Enough movement, uh, which we're about to launch. We're about to launch a Nuts Enough Youth campaign uh, to try to stop the drugs and violence in our community to educate young men and young ladies uh, to try to help them out. Uh, the future reference of just trying to uh, really build a community center in, in my hometown of Delaware County, uh, recovery and those type of things. So I'm doing great things, man. And I just I want to just uh, you know I'm so happy about it. Uh, have a book uh, that's out now called Back from the Shadows of Death that sold over eighteen thousand copies uh, all over the world. Um, just as well, I'm ranked number one um, inspirational uh, with uh, with Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Book of a Millions. I have an opportunity to speak all over the world as a national motivational speaker with my Marwood Strong LLC, uh, the Motivational LLC. Uh, but the great thing I'm really excited about is the movie. That's crazy. To yeah, me. yeah, the okay, movie. It's just like next to a celeb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the, well, I'm just so happy because, because really, it's you know everything that I do. I I'm very humble about it, you know, and I'm very passionate about when I say that because I didn't have to be there. You know, God could have called me home a long time ago. And just it's just phenomenal just to me to be still here on this earth and having so much of an impact among young people and older people as well and having a whole movie. I dreamed about this movie years ago, years ago. And what happened, how it all came about, my late mom, which I, I love dearly and I miss her, she's been gone for actually two years. And I never forget her and I. We was laying. I was laying on the couch. You know, ain't nothing like being in mom's home. And we were laying on the couch. And on lunch break, I always go watch Prices Right with her. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was a mama's boy. Uh, I was. I was. I was one of the mama's boys. Uh, of the family. I never forget this. She said, Marwin. She said, all the stuff that you've been through your life. She said, why don't you write a book? 
She's going to be one of the most inspirational books in the world, Mo. All you've been through. She said, not just that. Once you go ahead and get you, you're going to have a movie, too. So my mother, she prophesied to me. You know, I will never forget laying on that couch. How old were you at that time? Man, I was about, shoot, this is about probably about three years ago. Okay. Yeah, you know, so that make about 44. So I had to be a good 41 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times we we think we like, well, uh, whatever, mom. You know, okay. You know, a lot of times we yeah, okay. Moms are supposed to say that, right? Yeah, 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 whatever. You know, but so we, so I went on about my life, but when she passed away, um, her words kept sticking to me, you know, and, and that was the only way and I could really just be sane. That was my therapy. So I just got a pen and pad. I just started writing. I started writing and started writing and started writing and started writing. And the next day I know I called uh, one of my, 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 my friends and Miss Allison, Allison Bell. She's the editor of my book. I said, I said, Allison, I said, um, I want, I want to write this book. She said, well, come on. I edited it, and boom, and here we have it, 18,000 books later, you know. <laughs> how long How long did it take you to write the book? I know that's hard to say, uh, but uh, kind of start to finish, how long did it take? Well, it took to about write? 13 years to be actually, because I wanted to do it a long time ago. But it took my mom to really, really instill that into me, you know, to let me know that, hey, you know, you could, you could do it. You know, and I never, I hated English class. I hated writing. I hated English and math. Those are my word classes, like Kryptonite to Superman, make me weak on my knees. <laughs> <laughs> so I just started writing, and I write it. And then my mother passed away. It was my therapy for me going crazy because gotcha. when, you, when you're dealing with so much of a mom like that, and I was real close to my mother, you know, and I think about her day-to-day on a day-to-day basis, um, I want to thank her for instilling me in my spirit to fight and really do something about write a book, to not just me, but to help all. It's not about the money. I just want everybody to know that you're overcoming by the word of your testimony. And I just want to share my testimony with the world. Tell us a little. I, you know, I want you to, to kind of leave us with a tease. So we want to get the book and read the whole story. But what does it have to say? Well, it, it got to say a lot. It, it's, it's a young man. It's a, it's a couple words I want to tell you what this book is about. It's from tragedy to triumph. Awesome. You know, if you are an overcomer, you can be strong as long as you don't give up. Stay focused. You know, no matter what circumstances you deal with your life, you can make it. I want to be that testament. Let them know that even though you've been out, I was in the hospital for two years, and a lot of people look at me and they can't, it's unbelievable. You know, but I'm letting you know that God is the source. He is a healer. He's a deliverer. He'll do the same for you. Awesome, awesome. Okay, then tell us how that has kind of transpired in this movie that we've been talking about. Mm. Uh, I've seen the billboards. I've uh, certainly seen your posts. I'm aware. Tell us about that, please. That's that's awesome. Well, what I think about it is, is uh, we have a choice. Uh, big shout out to Blue House Films. Um, they're they're actually in Indianapolis. Uh, they they won uh, they won a lot of um, a lot a lot of film festivals and this is gonna be their first premiere movie. Um, but we had a we had a meeting where we was gonna have it in Dallas. We we're gonna have it in Boston, but we we're gonna have it, the whole movie gonna be in Muncie, Indiana. Muncie, uh, Indiana. Muncie, Indiana. All right. America's hometown. Yes. So um, 
So I think I'd be remiss if I didn't have it there. Uh, and I, I got had to do it. Uh, it's assignment uh, that got to do it there. Uh, it's gonna be phenomenal. Um, the book, uh, the movie, actually be uh, be starting um, August of 2022. Uh, we're still going. We got a GoFundMe page um, and those type of things. So if anybody want to donate, that'd be awesome. We'll uh, make sure we give them that information yes. before we get off of here. We'll also have it posted on our uh, on our podcast for those who may not, you know, have yeah. that recollection. They can get that down, okay? Yes. What is going to be your role as far as the movie goes, all right? Well, we're trying uh, – a lot of people ask me who's going to start, and um, – I'm trying. We're trying to get. A, we're trying to get Nick Cannon to play me in the movie. Uh, so we try to get him, and uh, we got a couple more meetings, and uh, we're trying to really get him to do it. If not, we got other people, uh, you know, that that's, that's just able to do it. So it's so many people excited. Now, where I'm gonna be in the movie, it's gonna be more of a cameo. You're gonna see me, but not see me. Ah, you know, are we gonna know you obviously if we know your face. Oh yeah, yeah, you gotta know me. Yeah, recognize you by the role that you're playing. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be more of a walk by, you know. But I'll be in the movie. Uh, we're gonna make sure it be more interpersonal. Um, I get questions like, "Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be more of a '90s feel, uh, like a '90s back in '90s when, when when the music was going on, and you know, it was it was it was great." Also, the the crack cocaine epidemic was going on, so it's going to touch on all those bases. And then we after the movie, we're going to have different type of dialogues over all over the world. Uh, we will talk to at risk kids, people with doing drug addiction, uh, so they get to watch the movie, and then we get to do some dialogue about it. So I'll be on book tour starting in February. You know, I'll be going to to Washington D.C., Atlanta, Los Angeles. So I get to broaden my horizons, you know, all over the world to eat the good of this great land. Yeah, yeah. You have any roles for a seventy-one-year-old old balding white guy? Oh yeah, you in there, baby? All you right, in there. you in there? You know, you in there? <laughs> Remember, I said it on live. My man, brother Randy Davis, is gonna be in there. All man. right. <laughs> Don't give up on yourself and don't give in to the urge. Your answer, your healing, your recovery may be in our next episode. Have faith in your recovery by having faith in yourself, your journey, and above all, God. Believe and stay in the fight.